You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast, and I have Mariano Vasquez, co-founder and CTO of LMIO, and it's spelled E-L-E-M, and the website is elam.bio. So, Mariano, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Fine. Very good. Thanks a lot for, for giving me this opportunity. Yeah. So, tell me and listeners about LMBio. What's the premise of the company? Yes. Um, okay. Well, the, the company is based in, in Barcelona. We are a spin-off from the Barcelona Supercomputing Center here in Spain. This uh, this supercomputing center is is hosting a very large computer, which is called Mare Nostrum. And well, since uh, long ago, we've been developing tools for uh, doing simulations of complex systems. And one of the most complex systems that you can imagine is the human body. Uh, so that's why, well, about a year, well, less than a year ago. We have created this startup with the idea of transforming this, our simulation, our research in a product in order to make this product to get closer to the those that are really in need of, that are um, medical devices companies and or pharma industry or even doctors. Okay, so you're trying to model um, various systems of the human body or what's the focus? Yes, that's correct. What we, <clears throat> what we are doing is we, we perform simulations at organ level, uh, which means that we are not doing any molecular dynamics or genomics or whatever. So what we are doing is uh, mostly focus at the level of the heart or the lungs or the liver. Okay. So in our case, we are mostly focusing the cardiovascular system. And what we do is we, we create sort of um, avatars or virtual humans, and we create them in order to um, test uh, treatments like medical devices, devices and pharma, and things like that. Huh. So you tested at the level of the organ. What um, what kinds of things do you incorporate into your model that make it more effective than what's currently out there? Do we even have any models mm-hmm. for for organ systems? Yes. Yeah. If you think, for instance, let us think about the heart. The heart of the physical system is a it's a combination of electrical activity, um, mechanical action because the, the muscles that are contracted uh, and these muscles are pumping blood. 
So from our point of view, it is a, it's a multi-physics problem. So there, there is three, these three systems that are coupled. And um, so the, it's a very complex one. It's a very complex system. Each of the models are very complex. And if you couple them, it's not that, like it, it is triply, triple complexity is more than that. Uh, so for doing these sort of things, you need two things. First of all, a large computer, and secondly, um, a software specifically written for run efficiently in these computers. Um, so the main, the main difference of what we do with other um, academic uh, groups or, or companies that are doing similar things is that our model is comprehensive in the sense that we can solve the full heart with all the all with, with all the features that are required to do these sort of things uh, because we have these uh, very efficient codes that can run in these supercomputers so the main difference that we have is this massive use of computational resources in an efficient way well I know from speaking to uh, for instance Dennis Noble is the whole you know the heart has a tremendous yep. electrical system and the electrical part of it, not just the mechanical pumping part of it, is uh, is all intertwined. So does your model of the heart, for instance, uh, include all the electrical components and the signaling and the uh, you know the contractions and all that stuff? Yeah, yes, this is a very very interesting question, especially because of uh, Dr. Denis Noble is one of the pioneers of this sort of um, modeling of the of the heart, very long long time ago. So what Dr. Noble did was a simulation that the first um, the first brick of this wall is as you as you said the electrical activity. So what we have done is a model for the cell cellular electrical activity. So in our system, what we do is we we plug like at the at the at the bottom layer of the model um, a cell model, which is this cell model is uh, right now is is uh, it's um, highly developed from that pioneering work. And on top of that, we, we really built a huge building, which is uh, the, the, the coupling between the electrical and mechanical is also a very complex, can be also a very complex model. The material model of the tissue with all the anatomical um, differences, uh, it is an isotropic, so you have fibers that are have some privileged direction, which is the contraction direction, that is the direction of the fibers. Um, you have uh, an, 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 a very complex anatomical feature, which, which is the fibers. You know, in the in the heart, the fibers are distributed in a very particular way in order to make that something that it is contracted longitudinally, like a fiber, can uh, be transformed in a in a pump, which is not that evident if you think about it. Uh, so all this complexity is also in in the model. So it is again, as, as Dr. Noble said, it's an extremely complex, extremely complex system. How far along are you in your modeling, and have you um, have you seen or been able to model effects that were previously invisible to you? <clears throat> yes, it, you know this is there is something that it is very interesting is that. Because, you know, from the very beginning, we've been working in, in very close relationship with doctors. So the doctors are those that are posing the questions. Myself, by training, I am a physicist. And being a physicist, I have the dangerous bias uh, that can make me do things that are maybe not that useful. 
but they are very interesting and challenging, uh, but not that useful. So in this case, the good point is that if you do something that is multidisciplinary and those that are staying in the reins are the doctors, then you are sure that you're going in the proper direction, doing something that it is useful. Um, so the, the, there is one, um, there is a very nice moment where the, because the doctors from the very beginning, they, they, they struggle to understand what you do and you struggle to understand the lang their language. And there is um, in a fantastic moment where you discover in the doctor's side that they really understand what you're doing. And in our case, it was kind of, I don't know, maybe after six years of working with them, one day they just um, said something and, and their faces transformed in a way that, gosh, now I understand what you're doing. I really understand what you're doing and I really understand what is the use in doing these things. Um, so this is very rewarding and, and, and um, it's, a, it's a way of, of seeing that you're going in the proper direction. So what, uh, where do you see the breakdown in communication is between the doctors and you, the model makers? You know, what are they not understanding and what are you not understanding? Where do you see that you're butting heads so it's not making sense? Well, this is a very interesting point because in you know, these multidisciplinary uh, problems, uh, communication is extremely important. And uh, the good point in our case is that from the very beginning, um, there were people inside our team that are kind of uh, bioengineers, someone that, some guys that can understand both sides. So they work like uh, translators from one side to the other. Um, so I can read some books on physiology and see <laughs> how different, how difficult it is to model this problem. But still, I don't understand. It's, it's very difficult for me to understand, or for someone like me, to understand where are the where are the main difficulties in order to understand okay. the problem, or, or or it's more on understanding the difficulties of the problem. It's you need to completely change your perspective. So the good point in the case is that for that you need someone that can act as a translator between the two words. Uh, and well, we had the chance of having very good ones, very good, very good translators. So, what are, what are some examples of again things that you roadblocks you've run into in your modeling, or breakthroughs that you've run into with your modeling? What things can we see now for the heart or the lungs that were previously hidden? Yes, in, if you follow up the kind of uh, the, our our pathway, we started by well, we 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 have some we have plenty of experience in doing fluid mechanics. So the blood part should be, from the very beginning, we thought the blood part shouldn't be that difficult. Um, so we didn't have any experience in solid mechanics, so we said let it leave solid mechanics for the end. And we had no experience on electrophysiology, but looking at the equations, we said, well, this is not that difficult. So we started by electrophysiology. So afterwards, we did the solid mechanics part, and afterwards, the fluid mechanics part. So Following this path, you you see you can I can tell some milestones of things that that we we yeah, by please. growing up yeah. this model we we could yeah. see that before we couldn't like for instance something that that you can see right now with our model is that how the you know there is one one pacemaker that is called Micra uh, done by by a large company but this pacemaker is something that goes pin inside the ventricle. 
So it is, it is, it, it is not a lead that goes through a, in, into the coronaries, but it is indeed an, a, a gadget that goes pinned in the inner wall of the heart. So it's a, something that this, this company was interested in is how this, um, this piece of metal inside your ventricle is perturbating, is perturbing the fluid mechanics around it. And, and how these fluid mechanics around this, which means the blood that is circulating inside your ventricle, is, um, is acting upon this piece of metal, which goes beamed in the, in the, in the inner wall. And at what extent is there any risk that these pacemakers just get loose inside, inside your system? And this is something that we can do, we can study right now since uh, last year. It's something that we can study right now. And without any comprehensive model as the one that we have, you cannot. You simply cannot. And this was kind of a, an, an amazing breakthrough to us, at least. Can you give a little more details on it? I'm not exactly clear on what, what you were able to figure out versus before, maybe in layman's terms. Sorry, can you repeat? It was just a big cut communication. I was going to say, can you, can you give it a little bit more detail? Yes, more detail on yeah, on the mechanism you just were describing, I, I don't think I've quite got it. Ah, yes. Can you restate it in a little of bit course, of course. Yeah. easier way? Yes. Yeah. This pacemaker is very sophisticated. So in order to, <clears throat> let's suppose that you have a, a, a certain arrhythmia in your heart. So this pacemaker is something that is a small object, kind of maybe two centimeters. It's a cylinder, two centimeters long, and let's say one centimeter diameter, that um, we have some um, something that they call time that are there to anchor this small cylinder inside your, inside your heart. So it goes through a catheter, so the doctor goes through a catheter, it gets into your heart, and just simply touch the wall, of the, the wall of your heart, and automatically these tines are deployed, and, and, and there are four of them, and these tines are deployed and just get the, the, the grip, and, and they, they, they just get stick to your, to your muscle. Now, the muscle okay. is contracting, right? Because it is what well, it is contracting uh, because it is the ventricle that is pumping the blood. It is moving strongly because it is as it is pumping. You can imagine that the, the, the walls of the heart are moving a lot. And as they are pumping blood flow, this blood flow is uh, all the blood that it is inside the ventricle is moving is moving out and into the ventricle. So this is a piece of metal that it is anchored to the inner wall of the heart, in a way that, uh, well, this is anchored with a, with a very sophisticated way, but it is uh, like, they, there are like four hooks that get, um, that get, get pinned to your wall, to the wall of your ventricle. So under all these forces, like the contraction, the movement of the, of the heart walls and the, and, the and the blood flow around it, um, it's, you need to study to, to be clear, to, to, to have a clear idea of the forces that, are some, that this cylinder are submitted to in order to be sure that this cylinder is not getting loose and to get on your system, on your circulatory system. This is something very dangerous. One quick question. Have you been able to run? Okay, so your model is purely mathematical or are they also visual? Where you can see different parts of the heart working and zoom in on them and watch them as it contracts yeah. and pull it. Yes, this, this is a very interesting question because the model is mathematical, but 
in order to, the system is so complex that in order to let the doctors or the bioengineers to understand what's going on, you need a very sophisticated visualization system. At least, at least as good or bad, depending how you see it, um, as that of the doctors when they deploy this. But what, what we can do is something much better than an MRI. I mean, that's the typical visualization of the doctors. So visualization is something that is extremely important in this case. So our system is also endowed with a sophisticated, not just a visualization system, but visualization techniques. So we are thinking that uh, we are going to, in, in, the, in the relatively near future, you should use some kind of virtual reality in order to uh, properly study what, what's going on inside a simulated heart like this one. Well, I think you're missing out on a lot of information if you don't have one. You know, you could you could run the heart, for instance, extremely slowly and do a time lapse just of the contraction phase and watch different parts of the heart and see the stress build up. And then you could have the, I don't know what the other phase is called, but the, you know, the relaxation phase and, and literally watch stresses move and change and build and lessen. And I think that would probably give you a lot of uh, information, you know, just as a start. Exactly, exactly. It's it's dual because on one hand, you can do this very in, in a very kind of in slow motion, but also in a very detailed way. So you can you can zoom a lot. You can go down to a very small scale in order to see what's going on. So under this light, you can think that these sort of simulation tools are sort of a microscope. So you can study the system from a very different way, um, a, di- a very different position, um, like that, like just observing it through an MRI or a TAC or whatever. So you really can go very, very deeply in the in the system, and and as you, you just perfectly understood, it's, it's, it's like I don't know, like using a zoom. Yeah. Okay. Um, how far away are you from integrating, let's say, the heart and the lung, and visualizing them? And seeing yeah. the effect of the heart, the heart beating, and you know the lung reacting, and yeah. the alveoli, and all that. I mean, that would be like super sophisticated. But how far away is something like that? Yeah, that, that's very nice because you know the, we are working in mostly in cardiovascular, but there is we're working in it also in respiratory system. So, and we have a very sophisticated model for the respiratory system. And this is something. This same question is something that we've been that we ask ourselves many times how far are we um to link a a cardiovascular system with a respiratory system um and we think that well it depends on the it depends on resources it just simply depends on resources in money in in developers um let us suppose that we have infinite money and we have um, good developers for doing that um, I would say that we are two, three years, no more than that, no more than that. In, in, and I'm not, I'm not telling, saying this uh, because you just asked and it is something that came up to my mind right now. No, no, no. It's something that we've been thinking a lot uh, as we've been advancing in both, in both fronts. And I think that with infinite resources, I can do it. We can do it in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, why not? go for educational grants and give this as a tool to people that are in medical school and other researchers and all that 
in addition to doctors in the clinic and everything, maybe that would spread the cost of creating right. the system. Yeah. And it would also give insights too. You know, you could give this to different populations to see their insights. Exactly, exactly. And this is something that we are we are onto because the, what we are thinking is that the we what we would like to do is once the the we we need to achieve a certain development, especially for the for the graphical interface. When we reach certain level of of the graphical interface, where people really <clears throat> can understand. What we are doing, and when I mean level, I mean maybe six months or something like that. We will be in a position of um, doing exactly what you have said, of um, giving for free or for yes, for free, giving for free to to medicine academia this tool in order for the students for for two reasons. One of these kind of strategic, as you said, is. We are just we we are going to be evangelizing the doctors of the utility of these sort of simulations or these sort of tools. But secondly, because if you talk with the doctors, what the doctors saying is that um, it is we are so far of the complete understanding of what's going on in a human body that any kind of tool that can help us to better understand uh, what's going on is great. So we think that this tool can be used just to help the doctors to understand what's going on. So if you think in, in, in medical school, this is kind of the best place where to, to use this sort of thing. So exactly where we are on that, yeah. Okay, so you're looking at modeling the heart, the lungs, and what else? Um, we have a vision, and this vision is that in the future, we can add more and more systems. You know, uh, there are, for these sort of things, you, you can have you have two approaches. One approach would be to do something the simplest possible and then grow up. But typically, or there are many cases in science where you can you you can do that, but there are other other possibilities. It's like you can go kind of a, in a, in a deductive way or in a synthetic way. So what we are doing is like it's the other way around. Like saying we are going to take systems and train to to model them with its full complexity, so then uh, from there start to grow outwards. Let's say so we have the we satisfy the heart. Now you know you need to couple the heart with the arterial system. So we have uh, 1D models for the arterial system, and now we can couple both of them. And the arterial system must be very well. It's complex to 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 create this model, but we can do it. Um, now I have a respiratory system, so we can go down to the lungs because it is on the way. It's something that we're doing. We can go down to the lungs and then go down to the alveoli, and we can do it. So then we can couple both of them. So it is kind of a different way of, of tackling the problem. So in our case, the tackling the problem was like starting by the pieces and then trying to build up from the pieces. One very nice system that I was I, I, I have in mind for the future, because I'm not at all an expert, I'm far from being an expert, um, is the liver. The liver is sort of a it's sort of a chemical production plant that we have in, in our bodies. So it's a, it's a chemical factory that we have there. Um, so this is kind of a, a very nice, um, that should be a very nice uh, model, very expensive, very complex, expensive in computational terms. Um, so then I would like to to also work on these, but it's uh, who knows. 
Uh, I mean, the, 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 the reasonable thing that we can do is to link cardiovascular and respiratory. And this is the first uh, link that, that we are looking for. Right. And we'll see. We'll see. Hmm. Well, one thing I could see you could do, again, is once you have a model of the heart or the lungs, you can uh, change the parameters. You know, you can change the, uh, the blood pressure or you can change the, uh, the speed of the heart or all kinds of things or the rhythm of it and see the effects on the system. Them cascade through it. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. One thing that we can do also is to, to, um, well, we, we can create a, we can create a virtual population. We can create a synthetic uh, humans. Let's say we can say that. So we can have uh, imagine it. Don't know, but we, we can produce a population of, uh, you know, women uh, 50 years old. Uh, and we can, because, you know, when, when the pacemakers are pacemakers, they are not pacemaker for men, pacemaker for women, but the hearts are different. So they, we are using the same pacemaker for both of the patients. Um, so what we can do is we have a generic pacemaker and we would like now to test the pacemaker in different populations, the men population and women population. So this is something that we can do right now. Um, and this is one of the one of the things that we, our selling points, let's say, that we can do these sort of simulations too. Um, so it's like the, the possibilities are really really vast. Yeah. Well, that's excellent. So, is there a way for people to um, <clears throat> see any of your models online, or you know, how could people interact with you or get in contact and find out more? Yes. Um, well, one let's say simple way is just contact me through the. To the web page. If you go to the web page right now, it's a chat. It's no more than a landing page. So we are uh, since some time ago we are preparing something much, much more um, informative with uh, blogs and, and with the news because there are plenty of news all the time in what we're doing. And we are planning to have and also a blog and we are planning to have these ready for in, in, in the next month, in one month or two months. Is going to be ready, and I think what we would like to do is that such a project is uh, raising a lot of curiosity, even from the from the um, from the from the layman. I mean, from everyone. So what we would like to do is is to um, also a web page that can be um, a source of information and a and a very good point of of contact uh, to us. We are very communicative. So if, I, I, I have no problem with this so far. I have no problem of receiving plenty of emails and neither anyone from my team. Okay. So I think that the best way is just contacting us with uh, no problem, send a, sending us email. All right. That's great. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Okay. Thanks a lot. It was really, really very nice. And well, thanks a lot. You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, 
CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.